Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. We've got week eight to break down here on our on our weekly FBI watch list. Um, Ryan, how's it going, man? It's good, Patrick. We are uh, we are past the halfway point of the regular season now. Um, mm. How does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> I, 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 good and bad. Bad because I I enjoy college football and I'm I miss it when it's not here and it's not going to be here a ton longer, right? That's it's we've only got we've got less than half of the season left. Good because um I'm I'm busy and I'm tired and I'm tired of being busy and tired and I would like to get a little bit of a break. Uh but such is life. Utah State's on a bi- on a bye week next week. I'm going to be heading back to uh back to Columbus. I've got a list of various foods that I'm going to eat should be fun should be a nice little break but we got one more you week also have a list uh, you have a list of targets to seek and destroy for us as well yeah I'm going to be kind of uh you guys you guys are going to say my my sleeper agent word and I'm going to kind of go into a fugue state for a couple days and I think there's going to be a lot of changes coming in Columbus after after that happens <laughs> and we're all looking forward to seeing what all that what all that entails and, and what that's that, right uh, Eric Adams the new mayor of Columbus yeah I think he could do it I believe in him I, I think he could do like like um, the co- coaches used to do this back in the very early days of football, where they would be—I don't remember who it was specifically—but they would be the head coach of two different teams at the same time, and they would coach one team like remotely, basically, which must have been fucking impossible in 1920. I don't know how you would be doing that, how you'd be coaching a Did team. That really happened. Yeah, there was a guy. I, I I wish I could remember who it was. He was the head coach at like Iowa State and also Georgia Tech at the same time or something like that. Um, That's pretty sick. Yeah, I, I, they just they just used to do that. They also used to coach football and basketball at the same time. They were doing all that shit. Um, nobody now is doing that. Nobody now could even possibly consider doing that. Uh, they uh, they just don't make them like that anymore. No, I mean I could do it, but I, I get that a lot of people couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Patrick, we um, as much as we love to preamble, and boy, do we! Oh yeah. Um, there is a big week of college football this week. There is a massive week of college football. Um, we got to get into it. We should probably just hit the ground running and, and get started here. Before that, we should tell you about our website, huh? Yeah, we probably should do that. That would be meet at midfield. Meet at midfield dot com. Uh, that is the place where we put our posts, where we put our thoughts on the message board. We have so many thoughts that we put on the message board. Uh, varying in in their depth and I would say even in their intrusiveness as well yeah intrusiveness as well but we've got all sorts of things that we put up on there Um, we've got the premium posts like I said uh, weekly several stories a week all sorts of different stuff Uh, and we have the premium podcast that we just put out yesterday um, I guess two days ago as you're hearing this Thursday morning but uh, that is up there as well. You get the weekly episode of this show. You get the weekly episode of High Street Freaks that you do with Kevin. Um, there's uh, there's all sorts of good stuff going on over there at meetatmidfield.com, and we would love to have you go subscribe, go check it out. Um, I think it's a uh, I think it's it's firmly a very good website. It's a very good college football website, and we we enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, and if you don't like it, you're a coward, and it's your fault, not ours. Yep. Um, Yep, we'll say that as well. But yeah, uh, come boogie, come join the website. It's a massive week. Um, we're we're really really pumped about this. Obviously, we have a lot of Big Ten fans on there. Yeah. It's a national website, but just kind of who we are. A lot of Big Ten fans, so people are buzzing about the two rivalry games between Ohio State uh, versus Penn State and Michigan State versus Michigan. 
a um, lot of juice going on right now and a lot of other big games too. I mean, obviously throughout the country, you have Florida State Duke, you have Utah USC, uh, quite a few others we're going to talk about, Tennessee Bama. Um, so really big week to kind of get into it and um, and dive into these games. So we are pumped about that and we'd love to have you join us. Yeah, we are also pumped, of course, about home field apparel. Ryan, do you want to tell people about home field apparel? Well, Patrick, I sure do. Uh, it is the internet's top purveyor of uh, vintage collegiate apparel. I've used that word the last few weeks, and um, people love people love the word purveyor. Oh, You're yeah. this more and more. Oh yeah. Um, we're constantly getting DMs about, "Hey, could you slide this word into the podcast?" Uh-huh. And I think they're trying to find your code word. Yeah. Um, let me Patrick. You guys are not going to no. guess it. It's it's it's. I am Patrick Sandler. Only I know the code word. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We have kind of a double blind <laughs> situation where we are each other's handlers, and I am my co-host Sandler. Um. And uh, it's it's uh, kind of the <laughs> kind of the you know just the way that we operate here, just to keep the other one in check. You know, in case <laughs> in case there's ever anything that goes wrong. You do, it's it's kind of a RoboCop style situation where we both have built into our brain code. You can't attack the other podcast co-host. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just it's a, a safety directive from Asimov. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can someone uh, can someone make a a Photoshop of I am my co-host keeper uh, with the magic on it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Uh... Um. Anyway, yeah, I'm feeling We are also their keeper. Um. They have, I mean, they have the best shit, dude. They are dropping a a huge collection. You guys are going to hear this Thursday, so this comes out Friday morning. Um, there are a bunch of new jackets for both the Heartland and Gold Coast uh, collections of bomber jackets. Um, look, there are some really sick jackets in there. I, I've seen a few of them uh, in advance. Uh, a lot of people listen to this podcast. I know some of your favorite teams. A lot of them are going to have drops this weekend. This is some of their best gear yet. You are going to want these jackets, especially for the fall. Uh, it's the right time to have them. It's eating the fall and winter. Uh, of course, if your team loses, you will have to burn the jackets. That just means you could buy another one, right? Yeah. And try again. Yeah. Um, or even switch identities and go to a new college. Uh-huh. Um, pretend you're a freshman at 31 years old. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you have not purchased Homefield before, uh, you can use the code Meet at Midfield for 15% off your first purchase. If you have purchased it before, um, just send them Patrick's uh, kind of social security number, and that also gets you 15% off. Yeah. Uh, if you can, if you can figure that out and send it to them, they will they will give you a discount there as well. That is something also that uh, if you if you subscribe to Meet at Midfield, it, that is encoded in the messages that you and I send on the message board. If you interpret them in the exact correct way, you will unlock uh, all sorts of secret information. And included among that information is, of course, both of our uh, social security numbers and your activation code. Uh, we have uh, we we have them both encoded in there. Mm-hmm, we sure do. Um, and a lot of other messages as well about, you know, maybe what activities you should be doing with American presidents, um, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Boy, we, we're both kind of, we're on kind of a targeted individuals kick here. We're <laughs> 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 got a little bit of a, kind of a paranoid episode here. We're, we're liking it. I, I enjoy the vibe. Um, yeah, Home Field Apparel. It's a good site. Go on over there. Use code Meet at Midfield for 15% off your first purchase. Um, and uh, yeah, buy some stuff. They got good stuff and you can buy it. All right, let's dive right in here. Week 8 watch list. Weeknight slate, I have broken down just into the full thing because there's really not that much to talk about. Um, Unfortunately, with the nature of how we record this show and when we record this show, 
the bulk of the weeknight has already happened. Um, there were some really good games on Tuesday night. I enjoyed watching Liberty Middle Tennessee State. I enjoyed watching Jacksonville State pull off the upset over Western Kentucky with a uh, game-winning field goal in which the kicker fell yeah. down during the kick. I have not. That was I, a great drive, too. Yeah, yeah, it was a great drive. I don't know that I have seen a kicker do that before. Usually when the kicker falls down, it does not mean good things for the kick, but he still put it in from a, a decent ways away. Um, those dudes are good. That Jacksonville State team is really, really impressive. Um, yeah, they, uh, they ended the game on a 13 nothing run. The drive chart in the second half is very funny. Jacksonville State mostly dominated, but it went um, uh, JSU punt, Western Kentucky punt, uh, turnover on downs for JSU, punt, punt, turnover on downs for Western Kentucky, JSU interception, three and out punt, uh, JSU turnover on downs, punt, uh, JSU touchdown, punt, JSU field goal. Yeah. Damn. Hmm. I believe yeah. the uh, the announcers, I want to check to make sure that they were right on this. I think they, yeah. Uh, Western Kentucky now in each of its last two games has not scored in the second half. Very strange. I, I don't really know. I don't really know what's going on with those guys, but uh, Jacksonville State gets the job done with a, a really, really big win for them. Um, again, like we've said with James Madison, would be great to see those guys get to play in the postseason. Kind of feels like they're ready for that point don't really know why we need to be fucking around with the two-year waiting period just let them in it's it's not as hard to jump up as it used to be it seems like um but uh and then there's also some games on on wednesday the last one on tuesday was south alabama kicking the shit out of southern miss i think southern miss is just about done with uh really with this whole yeah really with the whole with the whole season with the whole deal that they've got going on right now feels like everything's just about done there south alabama's kicking ass though they're playing well did did you see how many total yards south southern miss finished with it was probably not very many based on the the sort of the the final score and the tone of your voice um it was 81 total yards (laughs) god oh my god that's not yeah, that's not very good at all. South Alabama did not punt. <laughs> did not punt in the game. No punts. I think they had one interception. That was it. Jesus. And they don't have like a potent offense this year. It's no, not that good. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's not the strength of the team necessarily. It's more of a defensive team. That's uh Jesus. Boy, they really got they really got kind of rocked there. Um Wednesday yeah, night. So what's on tonight? Yeah. yeah, it's FIU at Sam Houston. That is a uh, Oof, that is a dumpster fire. Um, and yeah. New, Me- New, Mexico New Mexico State, State at UTEP. UTEP. That's fun. U- mm. UTEP has a has a you know has some stuff going. I think New Mexico State is one of the better teams in the CUSA this year, which is really funny. Um, they're trying to get to uh, trying to get back to a bowl game again in the second year under under Jerry Kill. They have 13 games to do it as well because they went to Hawaii, so they get that extra game. Um, I think they're probably going to get there, especially if they win this one. But those have happened already as you're listening to this. We got to start on Thursday yeah. and we're going to start really, really quick before I just want to point out something nasty. I just was looking up Jerry Kill. Uh-huh. Uh, Bleacher Report is apparently resetting the date on an article about Jerry Kill seizures. It was published in 2013 by Adam Kramer okay. and reset of Google results is one week ago. Jesus. Very gross. Yeah. You should not be doing SEO manipulation for people's fucking health conditions. Yeah, that was like a decade ago as well. He's he's seemingly doing much better now. There was like a whole media thing about that last year when he got hired is, you know, his doctor saying like, yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's you know, a lower stress job like this is probably the right place for him to be. 
um, he's a football coach and he can't not coach football. So I said like, yeah, this would be fine. Just don't overdo it. That, that was the whole thing with him. And it seems like he's doing really well. Um, yeah, Bleacher Report underrated, underrated, yeah. nasty website that they've got over there. Just a, a really strong history of being a really bad place online. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not good. You, you ever do, not to not to sidebar us too much, but if you ever go back and look at old, like you're trying to find old draft information on on players, you know, like I, I did several years ago, I did a I think a video on Troy Smith. Um, and his, his NFL prospects that were not when he was coming out, um, they had in the early 2010s, Bleacher Report was doing some really, really nasty shit about draft prospects. They were writing some, I I think basically just tremendously racist things about draft prospects and, and all kinds of, because it wasn't until like 2012 or 2013 that it became an actual website. It was just a blog, um, really bad, really bad place that they've got over there still, even, even now it's still really bad. Yeah, fuck those guys. Uh, I do like Adam Kramer, but fuck the rest of them. Yeah. Is he still there even? I don't know. I have no clue. Who knows? I, I don't... Uh, I, I'll be honest, it was not my day to watch him. Um, that is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody else's job to keep an act, to keep an eye on Adam. Um, yeah, anyway. Guantanamo Bay game here in the weeknight slate comes on Thursday night at 7 p.m. on ESPN. That would be James Mar- James Madison rather at Marshall. Uh, another big game in the Sun Belt, which just keeps producing big games and I think is going to continue to produce big games. I think James Madison probably wins this one because they are good and Marshall is not that good. Um, but it is another it's another tough game in the SC, or in the Sun Belt East. Uh, Marshall is, if nothing else, physical and good on defense. I think James Madison is just better at pretty much everything that you do on the football field, I would expect another win for these guys here. I'm not sure, even in a in a tough conference, I'm not sure they're going to lose this year because they look really, really good. Yeah, they're pretty fantastic. I mean, they are pretty obviously a top 25 team in college football. Yeah. I hope they get, I mean, the, like there should be a fucking emergency session to get rid of the Marshall role and let them play um, for a bowl game or something. I don't think they'll actually do it, but, yeah. but it should happen. Uh, it's fucked. Um, yeah, yeah. This game is probably their biggest. This or the Georgia State game, and in, in two weeks are probably I, their biggest sticking points. Yeah, I, um, I would probably lean towards the Georgia State game. That one is also on the road. I think Georgia State is probably better than Marshall this year. Um, but yeah. they're both. I mean, they're both pretty. They're both pretty tough. Outside of that, it's ODU at home, UConn at home, App State at home, and at Coastal Carolina. There's not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of juice in there. Um, no, but... I mean, App State talent differential can still be an impact sometimes, but they're not a very good football team this year. Yeah. Um, I think James Madison might have that gap covered as well at this point. That team <laughs> is that team is damn good, man. They've got they've got dudes all over the field. They've got P5 dudes. That that line is is fucking built for for a Sun Belt program that jumped up from the FCS, you know, before last season. It is really, really crazy what they have been able to do there in in physically building that roster and having guys who have the the size and the athleticism to play at this level. They are really, really impressive. Big time, big time. Uh, we have two more games in the weeknight slate we're going to talk about. Uh, the first one is Rice at Tulsa, which is on 7 p.m. Uh, on ESPN2 on Thursday night. Yeah. And also SMU at Temple, uh, 7 p.m. Friday night on ESPN2. Um any thoughts on these two games? I think they're kind of just yeah paint by numbers games we should mention, but 
Um, the over-under on SNU Temple is ridiculously high. It's like 67 or something like that, last I saw. That makes sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, maybe Not... a game if you're like, you got stuff going on, you're at a sports bar, you see out of the corner of your eye, you see four touchdowns in five minutes, but yeah. no, never any other thoughts besides that. Yeah, I think this is definitely a game that you're watching if you have some stuff going on, just like not necessarily in the positive way. Um yeah, not a ton here. Not not a ton to say. I, I think that um, Tulsa Rice is kind of a bowl battle, right? Like like the loser is going to be in a pretty tough way to get to to get to six wins. It's not impossible, but like Rice, the rest of the way has Tulane, SMU, UTSA, Charlotte, and FAU. They would need to get three of those if they lose this one. That's going to be kind of that's going to be kind of hard to do. Um, I think Tulsa is actually in slightly better shape. Well, they're three and three right now, but yeah, they they get. Uh, well, basically the same thing. SMU, Charlotte, Tulane, North Texas, and East Carolina to end the year. Uh, Tulsa, quietly competent this year. I, that's that's the most I'm going to say about them. Quietly competent. Have a fun quarterback. I would not really... I wouldn't really recommend either of these games. SMU Temple, I'm just... I'm bored with SMU. I'm, I'm done with them. I don't, I don't care anymore. Um, they're not going to do anything interesting. They should be interesting, and they're just not... It's going to be high scoring, but it's it's junk food. There's really nothing. There's really nothing worth paying attention to with those guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I guess the Friday night game. I will say this: if you're one of our listeners and you live in the greater Philadelphia area, uh, it is eight bucks to go see SMU play Temple. And maybe what you can do is uh, start a chant for us. You ever? Um, yeah. You ever see that Bill Simmons tweet about LeBron chants? Like the. the <laughs> <laughs> horrible chant he came up with yeah i think i have that sounds it, yeah it like the a, very non-rhythmic chance that wouldn't yeah. actually work as chance yeah um His... some one of our listeners should go do that and start a stan drayden terry smith should have your job so if you guys are you know you're free on Friday night. You don't have many friends or you have a lot of friends. Yeah, I think you need you a lot of friends, actually. Unfortunately, yeah. that might be a sticking point. <laughs> if you're free on Friday yeah. night, convincing your friends <laughs> to go watch Temple play SMU. Um, Take them down to the link, get really yeah. drunk, and yeah. start that chat somewhere close to the field. Yeah, just get belligerent in Stan, Stan Drayton's general direction. Um, yeah, not, not a ton of interest in either of these games, but there is, uh, there, there's a reprieve here as we move into Saturday. There's a pretty big game at noon. It's the Abu Ghraib game of the week on Fox, and that would be Penn State at Ohio State. Um, Ryan, temperature check. Where are you at? Um, mildly okay is how I'm feeling. Okay. Um, I think that Ohio State has the edge and should win. Um, the statistical models are relatively split on this. Um, but if you want to follow those at all, I mean, you know, FEI and SP plus both have Ohio state winning by about a touchdown. Uh, TSI has Penn state by a point and college ball nerds who I detest, but just for completionist sake, I'm talking about it, uh, have Penn state winning by 10. Um, that's a pretty big, I think that's this, a pretty big gap from from, from Yeah, pretty bad model is what I would say. Yeah, <laughs> goddamn. Well, just in general the the spread that is that's an extreme number of potential results from just four sources. Uh, what does um our friend of the friend of the show Stats of War have to say about it? Did you did you see that one? I have not pulled his up. Uh, if you I mean, want to pull this up while I'm uh, talking, you can do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, uh but largely I I think the question 
is look both these defenses are 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 very good. I think Penn State probably has the best defense in America. Um, if you guys listen to the High Street Freaks preview that me and Kevin did last night on the premium uh, premium podcast, we went through Penn State's defense statistics at length. But the short of it is they are top three in the country in like you know seventeen statistics and top ten in like five others. Um, they're the best defense in America. They're fantastic. Ohio State's offense has been good. It's been like above average to good. It's not been wildly impressive this year. Um, I think we all probably expect the potentials a bit higher than that, but the actual results have been pretty unimpressive. Yeah. Um, and, and we're getting to a point where potential would need to start kicking in, right? Like you, you, yes. you said, it's, it's, it's like we're getting into week. the back half yeah. of the season here. You should probably start to show that a little bit more than they have. Right. If it's not happening now, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, on the other hand, you know, like Penn State's offense is feckless. Um, like, like they are, they are very good on key downs, which is good for them. Like they, they are pretty solid on third downs. Uh, they are up plus up here. Um, they're 23rd in, in third down conversion percentage. They're eighth in number of first downs per game. Um, they don't turn the ball over. They don't really allow negative plays in the top 10 and both fewest sacks allowed, uh, and tackles for loss allowed. Um, they keep the ball pretty well. Like they just do not hit big plays at all though. They are. Uh, tied for 129th. They're dead uh, fucking last. Yeah, they're dead last in in uh, points per play. They're they're yes. in isolated points per play. 133 of 133. There are not yeah. big plays in the offense. No, they are they are just running a million fucking plays because they can't hit explosives at all and not scoring that much. That's kind of their whole thing. But they do keep the chains moving. Yeah. Um, when they get into the red zone, uh, they're pretty good. They're 18th in red zone scoring percentage. I mean, the thing is, Penn State likes to have methodical, consistent drives because it can't do anything else. And Ohio State is a bend but don't break don't bend but don't break defense that wants to force you into methodical, consistent drives and bet you'll break. Yeah. Um, I would suggest being more aggressive against Penn State because I don't think they can punish you. Uh, I don't think they have any receivers that are worth noting. Um, and, and I don't really, their running game has not really hit anything all season. Drew Allers, like just a mediocre to, I mean, he's a mediocre quarterback, right? He doesn't do anything. Um, he doesn't push the ball downfield. They haven't really had he doesn't him. He the ball over. They haven't really had him do anything. That would be my, I, I think he could be, I think he could do things. They just haven't really, that's not. Well, been, maybe, but, they, but yeah. other than Iowa, they played a bunch of bad defenses all year and they haven't tried anything. Yeah. Which, I mean, that is not unheard of with James Franklin. I would not describe him as the most aggressive coach in the world. I know he doesn't call the offense, <laughs> right. but it's his directive. Um, they So, but if you're not doing anything now, why would you do it against the best or second best secondary you've played all season? I mean, I wouldn't, but yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, more of a personal preference. I would have probably done it against UMass and against a lot of the easier teams on the schedule. Um, I guess they decided that this was not that that was not the approach yeah, they wanted idea. to take um yeah yeah <laughs> it's not that's certainly not how i would do it uh for reference parker fleming not the ohio state coach we have to make this clarification every fucking week parker fleming mm-hmm. the stats of war guy on on twitter not the ohio state special teams coordinator has this as a uh, basically a one and a half point win for ohio state um 26.23 to 24.98 so he he has it basically de- dead even so a little bit of everything on the uh on the score spread spectrum yeah among, that's um, two among the ohio state metrics. wins by a touchdown 
two one score game or two one point games and one Penn State ten point win. Um, so yeah. probably not going to take that last one very seriously. Yeah, I think it is a very close game. I think my score prediction I gave was twenty four twenty, um, in favor of Ohio State. I, I mean, I, I think the thing here is that again, when Penn State's on offense, Ohio State does not really force turnovers, and Penn State does not give turnovers away. So I think it's going to be just a matter of Penn State stringing drives together and seeing if they can – they're going to have to march the field every time, basically. Uh, I am somewhat wary of Ohio State's penchant to waste drives, assuming they'll hit explosives, which they can do against a lot of teams. They're like they're just a little too willing to go three and out for my liking and try some goofy shit, Um, which if you give Penn State good field position, you can lose this game because – it is hard to hit explosives against them. They're they're very they're very good at not allowing those, um, and, and I think that that's a concern. They can also get you behind schedule. You know they have a pretty good pass rush. They're they're second in the country in sack rate. Like they do a lot of things very well on defense. They're just fantastic. I, I think if Ohio State's offense plays at a the level we've seen from them in in important games in the past, like you know I, I guess the Michigan games accepted in recent years. If you see them play at the level, kind of you expect them to play out with the potential they have, what they showed against Purdue last week and the second half of Maryland. I feel pretty good about Ohio State winning. If they do a Ryan Day special and just sit on their hands and try to play trestle ball, mm. uh, I think this game swings on a defensive touchdown or a special teams play for one of these two teams. Uh, and worth noting that Ohio State special teams are dog shit and Penn State's are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Penn State's very good in the pot return game, especially, and Ohio State's terrible at it. They are. 126th in the country uh, in big punt return yardage allowed. Um, and Penn State is sixth in producing them. <laughs> and uh, Ohio oh. State's 75th in net punt yards. Like, Ohio State should be kicking the ball out of bounds every punt um, because they cannot cover punts, and they're bad at it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's going to have to coaching, and you have two idiots on each sideline. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do kind of have a – we've talked before about the meeting of the very bad minds. This is a meeting of the bad minds. We've we've got two, we got two real dum-dums on the sidelines here. <laughs> yeah, I guess the question for me about Penn State this year is – because they're right on this cusp in all of our rankings and stuff – and is are they a top-five team or a top-ten team? Yeah. Because they're pretty clearly one of the two. If they're a top-ten team, Ohio State will probably beat them. If they're a top five team, Ohio State will probably lose. Um, Ryan Day does not beat top five teams. He's one in five in his career. Um, that's pretty much the only like, – the question is how good is Penn State Yeah. Um, actually? Can Ohio State's offense live up to the potential? Uh, and can Penn State's offense do anything? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that is all fair. I'm going to hit the – the Ohio State side of this from the outside looking in a little bit more. You've talked a lot about Penn State, and I think you're you're right on on just about all of it. I would uh, basically what my 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 point of contention with this and where I think because I personally and I'm I'm gonna explain this as best I can. I think Penn State's going to win. I I would pick Penn State if I'm picking this game. Um, I I think if Penn State's offense is be if we're describing that as feckless, I don't really know that Ohio State's has been that much better. Like I I don't really. If if Ohio State gets to have the offensive potential moniker, I don't know why Penn State also wouldn't, because they've done very similar things offensively. Not necessarily mm. in, in approach, more in result, right? Like, 41 points against Purdue does not move me, because Purdue's defense is fucking awful. And, like, I, I just don't care. If we're counting that, then we would need to count Penn State 
blowing the doors off of several teams that it has played. Um, and, you know, the, the approach, like I said, is different. Ohio State has a lot more explosiveness in its offense given the receivers that they have here. I don't know what the health situation is for some of those guys. Like I know Emeka Igbuka has been sidelined, was sidelined. I don't think he's going to play against Purdue. Well, I, I would be pretty surprised if he does because usually when Ohio State – is playing coy about injuries, it means that the guy's not going to play. Ryan Day is not a very good liar, um, and uh, he usually kind of gives away the game in in, in refusing it, it to... It begs the question, what is he good at? Yeah, yeah um, it's hard to know. Growing a beard, I guess. He's got a pretty good beard going. Um, yeah. I think he maybe paints it in with, with actual just house paint. He's just got he's got lead paint in his, in his fucking mouth. Um, but uh, the I, I think that... that yeah, basically, if if Penn State's offense is being is is considered not all that dangerous, I think Ohio State's is pretty much not that dangerous at this point as well, based on what we have seen from it, um, like against the better defenses that it has played. Ohio State scored 17 points against Notre Dame and won that game at the last second because Notre Dame fucked up. Penn State's defense is better, like by a pretty wide margin, I think, than Notre Dame's. It is, it's much better at creating big plays. It's much better on a down-to-down basis. It is, I think, really good at, at everything. Like you said, it's maybe the best defense in the country. And I don't think that Ohio State has shown me it is, it's capable of really moving the ball consistently against that sort of defense. It feels like we're kind of, for the Ohio State side of this, we're kind of banking on a a level of coaching adjustment, a level of game planning for this specific matchup that I have not seen from these guys this season. I have not seen them uh, do that. I've not seen them come into a game. Let me push back really, with, really quick on one thing contextually here, though, yeah. just, just if you don't mind me jumping in. Sure. Because, like, yeah, I would say Ohio's <clears throat> offense against Notre Dame was disappointing. It was inefficient. It did not convert scoring opportunities very well. But it also averaged more yards per play in that game than Penn State's entire season total while playing four teams, or sorry, three teams ranked in the bottom 10 of of total defense and an FCS team this season. Um, Like, yes, Ohio's offense has clear problems, but Penn State's cannot move. Like, the explosive is a real issue, and it also just doesn't move the football. Like, they're they're 82nd in the country, or sorry, tied for for 79th in the country in yards per play. Um, I, I think there is a problem with Ohio state maximizing opportunities, which has been a problem for Ryan day pretty frequently. Yeah. Uh, however, the gap between that and Penn state just not being very good overall to me is fairly significant. Like I, I think there are critiques in Ohio State's offense. Certainly the rushing attack uh, has real problems. I, I have the offensive line. Yeah, I, I have some pretty big concerns about the rushing attack being a factor at all in this game. I have a hard time seeing that happen. Penn state's run defense is, is good. They're, they're good. I, uh, they're very good. They're yeah. Good. Yeah. I, the I the have, one thing. And I think it's going to have to be Kyle McCord and I've just not really seen him do that outside of like one drive. Well, I think they implement, uh, maybe I'm just going too far in the weeds here, but like if I'm again, getting further into Ohio state, uh, they showed some things last week against Purdue. And I understand it's Purdue. I'm not talking about results. I'm talking about process here where they ran a, a little over half of their plays on gap scheme. It had been down to like 27, 28% prior to that for the season uh, in terms of Russia attack. That's very encouraging because Ohio State cannot zone block very well. Uh, if they stick to a, a gap blocking scheme going forward, I feel a lot better about where they're at as a team. Um, I, I think that, you can also point at the fact they incorporated more Q run. And some of that was Devin Brown patches in the red zone. Yeah. My pet theory is that they brought him in 
because they wanted to practice that, but did not want to get Kyle McCord hurt running the ball against Purdue. Yeah. Uh, I'd be more willing to use him. I think if you were going to bring in, it would be nonsensical to bring in Devin Brown for a red zone package. My worry uh, is that that was my worry is that that was what they were preparing for. Cause that has been Ryan day's answer in the past. That has been what he, what his solution for problems in the, in the red zone has been to just bring in another quarterback, which I think is stupid. I think it's a dumb, it happened I think once. it's a dumb yeah, it idea. Once. It's bad. Yeah. yeah it's I think, just, that, that feels, that would make sense to me if that's what the, if that's the solution that he's come up with, because but I, but I, I guess don't... what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to get to is that I don't think the differential between Devin Brown, Brown and Kyle McCord is very high in writability. Like I don't think that Devin Brown's that good of an athlete. I think McCord and him are, yeah, you know, not that far apart in rushing ability. Whereas like Tate Martell and Wayne Haskins were a significant gap. Yeah, uh, which is funny to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> kind of <laughs> like go, I yeah, think kinda, that what they did yeah, pretty pretty yeah. clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the some of the Q pin and pull stuff they did was really cool. I thought that worked really well. I just like the concept of it, and I think if you run it with McCord. It adds an element of danger in the red zone that Penn State has not seen much this season. It's hard for them to prepare for it. I don't think the run game is going to win Ohio State the game, but I do think of some of those changes they made against Purdue to carry over to the Penn State game. I feel much more confident in their ability to run situation situationally and to threaten the defense to open up more of the passing attack over the middle. Yeah. Um, they also threw some more quick slant stuff last week which is something we've been calling for we being Ohio state yeah, fans that, for weeks and months that would um, that that I feel better about than the than the adjustments to the rushing attack I, I think that the quick the quick passing game making a a return is a much more that's that I, I trust that a lot more than I trust the the running games changes yeah. because like also you know the other side of what you have what you've said here which I like yeah they should be going away from from gap blocking they're not good at it um the issue is they've done that in what one game basically this year and for sure but it's the most recent game i mean i yeah, don't know yeah. yeah but like that's but my my point is penn state's defensive line is really good and if you are not fully solid on that because you've done it in one game and you have a, a not very good offensive line that is trying to pick up a new approach even if that approach is better suited for them and for their running backs that's a pretty tough second game to be doing that in if you're if you're just starting yeah. to experiment with yeah, that like, there could be some pretty well, bad of course yeah. there could be some pretty bad fuck-ups against the best havoc defense in the country like I, th- I think penn state would be i don't know that that would really cause that many issues for penn state because i think it might come out in the wash that there are so many there are you know more blown plays than there are successful ones from doing that even if it is the better approach yeah i guess we'll have to see about that i mean obviously i'm concerned about it i don't think i have to tell you that i'm uh, you know, heavily critical of Ryan Day's approach to everything he does. Yeah. And I think he makes a lot of stupid choices that could have been solved if he did the obvious thing two weeks prior and was a smart football coach, yada, yada, but he's not. Um, so all I can do is look at what he did most recently. Um, yeah, I mean, I still think that basically, and football's not this simple, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I would say that Penn State's uh, defense is elite and its offense is below average. And Ohio State's defense is very good, but not elite. And Ohio State's offense is above average. And I think the differential between Ohio State's defense versus Penn State's offense and and like how big of a win that is for Ohio State is bigger than differential between Penn State's win against Ohio State's offense. Yeah. I I think if we're, yeah, purely just in, in, in terms of quality, I think that that is fair. I do also worry to continue just picking away at the margins of Ohio State. I do worry that the defense mm-hmm. is not necessarily 
the way that this defense is built, I don't think is ideal for playing against what Penn State is doing offensively. And that's not to say that Penn State is going to have a huge breakthrough game. Like that's I I would not I don't trust that yeah. offense all that much. But I, I think like, if, I, if I'm if I can like cut it in for you, yeah. I think your read is that Penn State will win a rock fight like seventeen fourteen. Yeah. Well, I think Penn State is, you know, we've seen Ohio State very nearly lose a rock fight to a, a worse version of, of Penn State, essentially. That's, yeah, that's for sure. Like, for sure. And, and I think that the way Ohio State plays defense, right, like the best parts of this defense have been its ability to avoid big play. They have not allowed big plays basically at all. Um, yeah. And pressure has been kind of hard to come by. They've got it in, in big moments, usually from the same guy. It's usually just JT Tuimaloal decides to play in the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I worry that if you're just, if you are going into a game and, and like you said, you know, if they, if they change the approach, if they're more aggressive, then this could be a different story, but I've not seen Ohio state be that nimble before, um, at least yeah, not agreed, recently. Agreed. And so I do think that like the defense being the Ohio state's defense is very good, but what it is best at is not really a strength in this game because there's not an explosiveness to worry about. You're not cutting down on big plays because those big plays don't exist. It's not something that Penn State is really trying to do at this point. And so you you are kind of stuck in a rock fight because that's the way that Penn State plays on offense. And I worry about this line, specifically uh, this defensive line and those linebackers against the Penn State rushing attack. I think Penn State could just go four yards a clip and work its way down the field. I, like we saw in the second half to, to just keep going back to the Notre Dame game, Ohio state was getting pushed around in that second half and Notre Dame's offense is fucking bad and could not take advantage enough to win the game. But I worry about the conditioning of these guys against a rushing attack like this in the second half. Cause it's not been good this year. Yeah, that's all 100% fair. I'm not arguing any of that. I, I guess I think like, I agree that Penn state can probably get the ball down the field I, I guess I just don't know that I believe that they're going to like actually score in the red zone. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair to them. I I, I just think Ohio State has had a very good red zone defense. Yeah. Um, and excels down there. And I don't really think your such as anything in the book to be creative, to create open space. You can call and the I fucking think Ohio T formation there. The T formation seems to be his solution for anything in the red zone. Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like I don't know that either team, even though it is going to be a defensive battle, I don't think either team wins this game getting field goals. To a certain level, you can, yes, but like you're going to have to score a touchdown or two to get this game. And I just don't know that I believe in Penn State to do that. Look, I, I think we both agree it's going to be a very tight game. Yeah. Um, and a big player two swings this. I think both teams are capable of producing that play on defense to a certain level. Yeah. Uh, Allers and accuracy has not yielded an interception yet. But he's also, they didn't put the ball in harm's way against Iowa at all because they didn't have to. Um, and Ohio State's the best secondary they played besides Iowa. And it's the only good one they played besides Iowa. Um, and I think that Ohio State's offense is capable of producing one. I don't think that Penn State's is. <sighs> yeah, I, I, look, I, I see, I certainly have nerves about this game. I think it's a very, very tight game. These are two very quality teams, both top 10 teams in the country and fringe playoff teams. Um, I think it's something like Oregon and Washington where, and not the, in terms of the way it plays out, but in terms of closeness where a couple big plays swing this one and the fact that Ohio State has home field advantage matters to me. James Franklin against big teams in the road is not a good success rate at all. Um, it's just hard for me to come into this game as much of a loser to think Ryan Day is to trust James Franklin more to kind of 
get it done to finish a game. I just don't believe in that. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair, and I think it probably does come down to just a couple of plays. I think the difference in our in our prediction here is is just what we think those big plays will be. Like I, I'm I'm worried about Kyle McCord against this Penn State pressure. I just I don't. I have not really seen him handle that in the way that I would want him to, and he's not seen that much of it. Um, and, you know, he has had some really, really high highs, right? Like that last drive against Notre Dame is, is hard to hard to argue with. Um, but I am I, I, of the opinion that the big play is like a Penn State pick six. It, it's, it's, a, it's a bad Kyle McCord play that Penn State takes in the other direction for, for a touchdown, and that wins the game. I think I could also, I mean, you could very easily see the big play being a a slant that Marvin Harrison Jr. turns into a 70-yard touchdown. I, I think that that's really what it's, you know, and there are some other options, right? Like, I think, you know, Nick Singleton could very easily be a a pretty big impediment for these linebackers who have had some trouble with being in the right place, with finishing plays in when they're in the right place um, against worse running backs than, than this one. Um, and I think that, it's probably it probably just does come down to that, and it's your your pick here. The side that you come down on is just dependent on which of these which of the strengths of these teams is the one that produces the big plays. Because I think you could see it coming from pretty much anywhere, save for the Ohio State rushing attack. I have a hard time imagining that, and the Penn State passing offense. I, I don't. I, I think that those two are not likely to create big plays for themselves. They could create big plays for the other team, um, but I, I think that's really where it where it comes down. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Um, well, man, that was an extensive preview of that game. I'm very excited for this one. This is clearly the game of the week to me. Yeah, We saw our big ones to get to, so let's run through the rest of this noon slate relatively quickly because the noon slate is pretty stinky besides this. Yeah, it um, is. Mo- the most wanted category here, we have UCF at Oklahoma on ABC. For UCF's sake, it is worth mentioning John Reese Plumley is expected to be back for this game. I think that makes a difference. I don't know that it makes a big enough difference that it changes the result of the game. I would assume that Oklahoma wins just because Oklahoma is better than UCF, but him being back does change the way that these guys play on offense for sure. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, I just don't think it'll matter, right? I think Oklahoma is too good across the field to lose to UCF, especially at home. Yeah, UCF's defense um, is also fucking awful. This is not a good defense this season. <laughs> It's, no, uh, I think they're gonna get they're gonna get torched across the field. That's I, kind of my my expectation. I was told this. It's related in that he's a coach on the staff. I had no idea that this guy was there. I was looking up last night to see whatever happened to David Gibbs. Do you remember the David Gibbs heyday where he turned Texas Tech's defense into not awful? in the late 2010s. Oh, wow. I've um, forgotten that name, but now I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where the fuck did this guy go? Because I remember he left, he left Texas tech. I didn't, I don't remember where he went to from there. He's the co DC now at UCF. I had no idea. I, I did not wow. know he was there. Um, yeah, just, just, uh, was, was interesting. It fell down a Wikipedia hole last night, figuring out where David Gibbs went. Cause I thought he was just out of the game. Yeah. He's not, he's at UCF. Um, don't think it's going to make love a huge difference a hole. Here. Yeah, we do love falling down a hole. So you see up Oklahoma, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma's going to steamroll them. I was just checking a game on paper. UCF is 102nd in net success rate, mm. and Oklahoma is fifth. Huh. Um, <laughs> I think that's the story of the game. I don't think UCF's going to be able to do anything. I don't think they're going to be able to stop Oklahoma at all. Like Their offense has not been as good as it should be this season. Of course, missing Plumlee for several games is part of that. I, but, think, um, I think they did have him back briefly for 
whatever game it was they just played. Let me. He's played like half their games. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like they had him for a minute against Kansas, and it didn't go well, and then they took him out of the game. Um, uh, so I, I mean, they've they've been bad. They've not been good these last couple games. They just got fucking. The last time we saw them, they got pantsed by Kansas, and and, and so. I think it's worth mentioning as like, hey, in theory, UCF has an offense that could cause some problems if Oklahoma is sleepy, right? If Oklahoma is not fully into the game, which is a possibility. Oklahoma has had some kind of vague letdown-ish games this season. I mean, Cincinnati game was not good. SMU game was not that good. SMU. Um, And so like that's possible, but I, I would not. I would not predict it. I just, I think it's worth keeping an eye on more than anything. I, I, I think pretty much if you're watching football at noon on Saturday, you're going to be watching just the, the main game because there's not really a whole lot else going on here. The no-fly list is Baylor at Cincinnati on ESPN and uh, Air Force at Navy on CBS. Kind of interesting. Air Force, unfortunately, going to be without Zach Larry or a quarterback. I really hope they don't lose this game. That would be such a, a massive bummer if they, they lose their quarterback and the offense just can't really... Uh, overcome it. I know that like you, you'd think that the quarterback does not play a huge part in the offense, given that they don't pass that much. He does. The quarterback is a pretty big part of what Air Force does. It's it's a pretty important part of the triple option in general, even if it's not throwing the ball in the traditional sense. Um, I would imagine that they're still going to win because that defense is is excellent and Navy is really bad. But just uh, something to keep an eye on. I, I like to I, I, whenever these guys get the CBS presentation, it's always kind of fun. Um, so worth mm-hmm. uh, worth keeping an eye on as yeah, well. Probably to see Air Force. Scoring. I want to see Air Force fully restore its dominance in the in the Commander in Chief Trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, they won it. Let's see here: three, four, eight, ten. Uh, they won it sixteen times between eighty-two and two thousand two. Yeah. Um, just completely whooped ass. Oh, sorry, uh, seventeen times, nineteen times, no, yeah. seventeen times, okay. seventeen times uh, between eighty-two and two thousand two. Um, just a real showing of force, and I would like to get back to that, uh, especially after Navy kind of shot themselves in the dick, and Army is run by a moron. Yeah, Army is like in the process happen. of shooting itself in the dick. They're both kind of mid dick shoot right now, um, for reasons that are unclear. Why they both decided to do that at the same time. I, I, again, I would assume Air Force wins even without its quarterback, but it is something worth keeping an eye on. I think that this might be the most competitive of the four games that we mentioned that isn't Penn State and Ohio State, right? Like, I, I think it could be low scoring just because it's the nature of the way that these two teams play. Um, Baylor-Cincinnati, I am good on that. I think I'm going to actually pass on that one. I'm full. <laughs> this is, no, it's, thank it's, you. A one screen, it's a one-screen window. Yeah, pretty, it's, pretty there's much. No, there's, no, there's nothing else to watch. Yeah. Um, let's get into the afternoon games. There's a few good ones here. Um, we should start with the Guantanamo Bay game of the afternoon, which is Tennessee at Alabama on three at three thirty on CBS. Um, boy, this is a, uh, pretty bad football game. Yeah. I feel like we just talked about this one last week with Tennessee, Texas A&M. It's not the same team, right? Alabama's offense is better than Texas A&M's and I think Alabama is better than Texas A&M. Just in general, their secondary is better. Their defense is better. They are a better team. But it feels like we're going to have a lot of the same conversation here that we had about that one, which is like, yeah, if Tennessee gets a good performance from its bad quarterback, it could make a it could make a real game of this. I don't think it's going to because Joe Milton is not very good. And it kind of starts and stops there. You would need him to be good to win this game, and I don't I don't trust him at all to do that. I think they can run the ball 
even against a really good run defense. They just did it against A&M, but that's not going to be enough unless Jalen Milrow puts up a real stinker. Yeah, but I guess my thought here is that Alabama can't run or pass the football, and Tennessee can at least run the football, uh, and they are both solid defenses. I think Alabama's a lead against the pass. Tennessee's fine. They're both about the same against the run. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I also don't necessarily think that – I don't know if I think that Bama's going to lose either, but I think that ten, it's, like, not that – uneven of a game in my opinion i know the numbers say there's on the metrics whatever predictive stats but just like me looking at these two teams obviously i don't trust joe milton but Jalen milrose due for another one yeah uh, i'd like to see tennessee get after him uh i am curious about their sack percentage this i don't know what tennessee's is at the top of my head um they rank they are tied for 14 no sorry they're 14th standalone okay. in sack percentage Alabama allows sacks at a ridiculous rate. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, you said short going around today about pressure to sack rate against pressure allowed rate um, from defenses. Yeah. For offenses, rather. Yeah. Like where it just shows you essentially, one, how often a team allows pressure, and two, how good a quarterback is at avoiding it. I did not. And Milrow. Yeah, is, I, I did not see that. I can assume, based on what I know about Jalen Milrow, that he does not fare well on that chart. No, in fact, Alabama's O-line is not farewell either. They allow a ton of pressures, and he's bad at avoiding them. Um, <laughs> and given that Tennessee's good at creating pressure, I could see Milrow being in hell all day. Yeah. And I think Bama can probably game plan around that slightly, give him more of those one-read passes, run the football a lot, try to – but, like, I don't think they're going to have any time to hit the deep shots that worked uh, against a and Like, I don't think they will have – yeah. time to do that period God, what like, a, i know what tennessee a, like, a&m's also a good pass rush but yeah we, and we've said this before and this is not the a&m section but god what a fucking failure it is that they have that defensive line and they were they still gave up all those all those huge plays what are you doing with these guys i mean come on that ten it feels like a better shot that tennessee's going to get home and prevent those those huge throws down the field than it does with with a&m is i know tennessee has talent up front but come, come on what are we doing here yeah. Also worth noting that Tennessee is tied for 16th and fewest explosive passing plays allowed. Hmm. Uh, they're pretty good at that. Um, they have not allowed any, I mean, they've allowed one pass of longer than 53 of longer than 40, five of longer than 30 and 14 of longer than 20. Yeah. And I think um, they actually, those numbers are all top. And I yeah. think interestingly enough, I believe they actually all came against Graham Mertz somehow. I think Graham Mertz is the guy <laughs> who put all of those numbers on I mean, the board. honestly, not far off. Yeah. That's like, I think they've had a pretty good, like, I just don't know. Look, I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win, right? It's Josh Hype won a road game at Alabama. I understand that that is a perilous bet to make. I just think like, unless Alabama's defense like pitches something close to a shutout or holds Tennessee like 10 points, I don't think Bama's hitting 20 this game. Okay. I I think it is very possible that Alabama's defense does that, right? I, I don't. Yeah, it is. It definitely they, is. Yeah. They did that to, to Ole Miss. Is Tennessee's offense better than Ole Miss's? I I don't really think so. They can run the ball Probably better. Not. They can run the ball better, but they also don't they don't really pass it all that well. Um or at all <laughs> for for that matter. They've basically given up on that uh for good reasons cuz their quarterback stinks. How I mean fucking we've done this before. How many how many times do they have to see Joe Milton before they put Nico in the game? We've been on Nico watch for like a fucking month. Come on. Let's just see him. Give him a chance. Maybe not yeah. here. Maybe next week. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, maybe they will. Maybe uh 
maybe Alabama will do Tennessee a favor and knock Milton out of the game. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Tennessee I, can score much either. The only thing I, I would can... take the under this game is what I would say. It's like a forty-six point under. I, yeah. I over under. I would take the under. Yeah, I I also to to Joe Milton's credit, this is the only thing you can give him credit for. He's a hard guy to knock out of the game. He's a big motherfucker. You, it's it's it would take a lot, yeah. I think, to put him on the sidelines because he's just. He's hefty. He's a hefty guy. He's hefty. Yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think that there is a there's a path here for Tennessee. Clearly, Alabama is not is not good enough that there's not a path for good opponents. And I think Tennessee is good. It's just not. It's not what it was because the offense has been so shaky. Um, and I don't think it. I don't think it's going to structurally change. I would guess Alabama wins, but I do think Tennessee has a has a shot. Um, yeah. You want to move on to the most wanted here. Well, just one more thing, I guess I would say is also that I don't think Milrow, I don't get what they're doing with Milrow. I don't understand what his value is as a quarterback. Uh, and I think it's just the fact he can hit a deep ball. He's not producing any long runs this season. He had like one against Mississippi State. That's it. He's not really like, that's very strange. he can't avoid pressure at all. He turns the ball over. He can't complete pass as well. Yeah. The kid sucks. Like he really is really bad. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We're going to find out. I, I think he's going to get his ass. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, it's a it's a fair possibility. Most wanted here. We got two games, Washington State at Oregon. Some heat has come off that one on the Washington State side, but that's at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. And then in the MAC, really, really big game in the MAC, maybe a title game preview, Toledo at Miami of Ohio, 4 p.m. on ESPNU. I think, and this is obvious given my proclivities, um, I think I'm probably going to be paying more attention to the latter. I think I'm probably going to be keeping a pretty pretty close eye on, on Toledo at Miami. I think that that is the more entertaining yeah. of the two games because I think Oregon is just going to beat the hell out of Washington State. Washington State, a lot of the shine has come off these last couple of weeks. I mean, they just got fucking dump-trucked by Arizona. I, I don't think that they're going to have a whole lot going on here. No, I think that's right. Um, I also think I'm going to pull up the numbers to see if it justifies it. But as I recall, like neither Toledo nor Miami have been particularly fast starting teams this season. No, um, Toledo they is don't really never, come out of the gateway. Toledo is never yeah. fast starting. That is not something that's in right. The, I mean, Toledo has very nearly lost several games in a row here, basically against teams that they probably shouldn't be losing to. Like they right. were, they, right. it was and, it was thirteen to six against Ball State, and Ball State has a new quarterback that they're trying to install a new offense with in the middle of the season. Um, you know, the NIU game is no, a little and that's, bit more. And that's not good to do? No, it's not usually good to do. Um, I don't know. Any any program that Rod Carey gets his stink on, they just decide mid, mid-season offense change. They're all doing it now. If Rod Carey's been there, you're, you're undergoing a full systematic shift in fucking mid-October. Um, but, uh, the Northern Illinois we game. We need to being... get his ass to Ann Arbor right now. Um... <laughs> yeah. They're running the air raid <laughs> come, come November 25th for some reason. Um, the, the NIU game makes a little bit more sense for Toledo now because I think NIU has figured some things out, but they've just, they've played a lot of close games this year and they're really not, not equipped to put teams away. Um, their talent is such, and this was the story coming into the year with these guys, they should win the Mac easily. And they're, they've not, they've not lost any conference games. They've not lost since week one when they, they blew it against Illinois. Um, but I do think that this is pretty comfortably the best Mac team that they have played and probably the, the best Mac team. That's not Toledo. Um, and I think Miami's defense could cause some, cause some real issues for an offense that has been finicky. And, you know, it, it's, it's probably going to come yeah. down to, quarterback battle with with Brett Gabbard and and Daquan Finn and 
I, I, I feel like Miami might win the game just because I trust Miami more. I, I, I think that the things that Miami does are a little bit more sustainable than Toledo because Toledo just hasn't looked that good recently. Right. I, I honestly, I think you have it nailed. You said pretty much everything I was going to say. Um, I will, I will just circle back really quick. The reason I brought up this slow starting point just for a viewership question. Yeah. Is that this game does kick off a half hour later than Wazoo at Oregon. Um, you can get to almost halftime of Wazoo at Oregon get like the first quarter of like bullshit out of the way that Miami and Toledo both love to do. And basically watch the final three quarters of this game on your second screen yep. with Tennessee, Alabama ongoing uh, and enjoy most of this game after Oregon takes care of Wazoo early on. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much my feeling on it, um, which is kind of my game plan here. Um, unless something weird happens in one of these two games and it's tight early in this or, or that, um, you know, Wazoo makes it a game with Oregon, which we don't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah, either way, I'm excited for this one. It's a massive game of the Mac. Miami plays two big ones back to back. They also play Ohio next weekend. Um, so that'll be that'll be huge. I'm excited to see both of those and kind of see what they have cooking. Yeah. Um yeah, big games. A couple other ones we want to get through in the no fly list too, unless you have any other thoughts on those mm, too. Nope, nope. I think that's good. No fly list. Here we got another Mac game. Just talked about Northern Illinois. They are at home against Eastern Michigan, three thirty PM on ESPN plus. Eastern Michigan has been pretty disappointing to me this season. They're not like I, I don't think they have a losing record or anything. I don't remember let me see. Um, yeah, they're four and three right they now. They are currently four and three. Yeah, yeah two and and, and the losses two of them make sense. Losing at Minnesota Maybe you could do more there, but I, I get it. It's a Big Ten team. Losing at Jacksonville State, that's a very good team. We talked about them earlier. Losing at Central Michigan is frustrating. That's that's really, really frustrating, and they need this one to stay, basically to stay in the MAC race, to stay in the MAC West race. They're, they they go to Toledo in a couple weeks. That's going to be a really tough game, but if you can win this one, if you're EMU, you put yourself in a pretty good position to at least you have a chance to control your own destiny if you if you do it if you go and win the games and it's it's easier said than done but um they do have that opportunity for niu they have already lost to toledo by two as i mentioned earlier but they could pretty much run the table i think if they win this one it's going to be at central michigan ball state at home western michigan at home and at kent state um they would need to get lucky they would need toledo to lose probably here and then also they would need them to lose one more but niu could position itself pretty well I trust them more in this one because of the running game, because of the way that they move the ball offensively. Their passing attack is non-existent, but I think they can move the ball uh, basically in the trenches against an Eastern Michigan team that has been just kind of shaky. Yeah, yeah. I, I am curious to watch this one as well because, I, I mean, there is a lot to kind of go through, and and, and I, I do think that, like you said, Eastern Michigan has been disappointing, but I also think it's probably a better coach team than NIU. Um, NIU loves to win these games yeah. close and, and play, you know, struggle a little too much. So yeah. I'm curious to watch it. Uh, the rest of the slate, Minnesota at Iowa, 3.30 on NBC. Um, pretty simple one. P.J. Fleck does not beat Iowa. No, especially uh, not this year. He doesn't. <laughs> it's just, no. This is pretty much just like it's included on here for the same reason that we've included several Michigan games on here, even when they're not playing anybody. It's just like Iowa has to fuck up to not win the Big Ten West, and, and this is another game that they have to play where they could fuck up. They're not going to. They're not going to lose this one. Yeah, but have you seen how weird the lines are in this game? The line is, rather? I have not. It's Iowa favored by three and a half. Huh. Which is suspicious. That is suspicious. I don't really... I mean, SP Plus only has it as a touchdown difference. The, the issue with any Iowa... Again, this is not a gambling show, but the issue with any Iowa line is that they don't 
score. <laughs> they don't score. <laughs> and so it's really hard to know what the margin is going to be because they could dominate a game and win by 10 points, you know, like they did last yeah, week. They won by nine. Yeah. They were completely dominant against Wisconsin, and they only scored 15 points. Um, I, I would I would assume that that's why. I don't think it's anything that Minnesota does. Minnesota is not good. Minnesota has not been good for quite some time this year. No, no, they have not. Um, yeah, I still trust Iowa. I, I think that's a very sure win, but I don't know. It's a rivalry game, I guess. Keep an eye on the foot of Rosedale. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State at WU, two teams that are somehow four and two, uh, or, or I guess what WU is. Are they still four and two? Yeah, they are. Um, right? Is that right? Uh, yeah, they're both four and two. Yeah, sure. Um, both these teams suck, but they somehow have winning records. Yep. <laughs> one of them, one of them will be five and two and receiving votes in the AP poll next week, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Regrettably, I do think it's probably going to be or, or uh, Oklahoma State. I, 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 I fear that they have figured some things out. I don't like to say that. Um, I think that they may be. I think that they have maybe solved some issues and that they're going to uh, probably win comfortably because West Virginia is just not. Just not very good. Just not a very good football team. Um, no interest in no. this one. Not going to watch a second of this. South Carolina at Missouri, 3.30 p.m. on SEC Network. Wisconsin at Illinois, 3.30 on FS1. And Texas at Houston at 4 on Fox. Weird weird game, weird time for that. Um, are the last three we have on the no-fly list. Anything interesting here for you? Um, another weird one with uh, the line on, on the Missouri-South Carolina game, if I recall correctly. I think South Carolina is – or the, it's kind of a touchdown. Open short, smaller than that. Opened at like four and a half points, um, which I didn't understand at all. I think Missouri's going to cook South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina can stop the ball at all. Um, so now – yeah. but I mean, I guess if you want to watch Brady Cook, and I think Luther Burden is going to be healthy yeah. uh, playing that one. That's something. Uh, Wisconsin better not lose that fucking game, dude. Luke Fickle, do not lose that game. Don't make me yeah, look bad. Yeah, really um, shouldn't lose that game. A little bit. Also, given some of the people on the staff at Illinois, given that that <laughs> Jim Leonard is an uh-huh. analyst there and Brett Bielema is the head coach, we had this conversation basically every year that these two play. Um, just shouldn't lose it if you're Wisconsin. Just really, really, really should not lose this game. Um, I know it's it's on the road. I don't think they will, but also. Phil Longo is is want to do a whole mess of things that will not make things comfortable for Wisconsin. Um, just, well, but also Illinois secondary does suck, which even if he does Phil Longo things with a backup quarterback, yeah. which again, he should not do. He like, should not do. You, you have just a backup lost quarterback. Your quarterback. Stop throwing the ball. Just run, <laughs> just run the fucking ball. Yeah, obviously, obviously. However, if he does the ball more this game, which he probably still will do because he's Phil Longo, Illinois secondary is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and you can get away with it. Yeah. Um, I think Illinois beat Maryland because they are much more physical and Maryland's a soft team. I do not feel that way about Wisconsin, even though they have some coaching problems on offense. Yeah. Uh, they are not a soft football team. I think they find a way to win this game, probably by a couple scores. Um, Texas at Houston, no real interest. I think no. Houston sucks. I think it's yeah. funny that Texas has to go to play at Houston. It's notable for that. That is not. I don't think that's happened in quite some time. Texas does not want to ever have to go to play at Houston, um, and they are made to do that here. Uh, it's. I don't Let's know. look that up. Actually, when's the last time it's, they it's, played? They've... I think it's been a minute because I don't think Texas. Two thousand one. Yeah. That that Texas does not voluntarily go to. Houston. And so I think that there could be a pretty good crowd for this one. I'm always just wildly disappointed by Houston's crowd. I don't understand why. 
I've seen it get hype before as like a. You know good... when it was good? You know who had it? It was a good crowd, Patrick. <laughs> Maybe a Tom Herman style individual. Texas Tom Herman. Texas, yeah, Tom. Texas Tom. Oh yeah, yeah. Bring him home. Bring him home. I, I just, I, it's, it's a fucking. It feels like an NFL stadium. It's not. It's not a good environment. Maybe it will be here. I've just not been impressed with with anything involved with this program this season or. Really, even going back to last season when they were disappointing and kind of, uh, kind of, I think soured us both on <laughs> on that program yeah. under Holkerson because they were really good in 2021 and they have just lost that juice. Um, yeah. E- evening... What's uh, I'm, I'm looking at their. Sorry, before we get into this, I'm looking at their Winsipedia. Yeah. Tech, uh, Houston beat Texas four times in a five year period from '87 to '91. Yeah. Was that? Texas was also bad around that time. I think that was, that would be around the time that Texas was not very good. Um, if memory, if memory served, there was a stretch there late eighties into the nineties where Texas was just not very good. Um, yeah, I guess it was also the Andre Ware period for two of those games. Yeah, that'll help. Well, if they happen to find Andre Ware, then this could be an, this could be an interesting <laughs> game, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think that they have, uh, Andre Ware style quarterback on this roster. Um, anyway, evening Guantanamo Bay, we got two games here, two good games, two very different games. Uh, Duke at Florida State, 730 on ABC and Utah at USC, 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, where do you want to go first here? Yeah, let's do Duke at Florida State. Okay. Um, here's what I'm worried about. Riley, I mentioned that chart I drew before, basically that charted how often offensive lines allow pressure and how good quarterbacks are at avoiding it. Riley Leonard was one of the more pressured quarterbacks that power five but also one of the best at avoiding pressure um i don't think his backup is that no (laughs) and i think florida state is one of the best pressure causing teams in the country um i think it might be a long night for duke's quarterback i think duke is going to there's very good defense very good defense in fact but i don't think they can protect their quarterback at all no, and and from the sounds of it, the the quote from Mike Elko, I don't remember his exact wording. Basically, he said that like Riley Leonard could play, um, which is not an answer when you are asked about an injured quarterback. Yeah, technically anybody could play. Um, that is not you're leaving a lot up for <laughs> interpretation there. Um, I would I would assume if that's I mean I guess you could be doing he could be doing fucking gamesmanship, but like the. If you're Florida State, just game plan. You would just game plan for Riley Leonard. You wouldn't prepare for the bad backup quarterback. There's no reason to do that. You don't have to try that hard to stop him. Just run your defense. It's not going to be like there's. I don't really know what the gamesmanship would be in that. It's not like your backup does things. He's just worse. He's just much worse. You just, you would prepare for Leonard, and if he plays, then you're ready for him. Um, because the backup is not going to hurt you in any in any meaningful way. It, that's that's the whole game. If if Riley Leonard is healthy enough to play, which I do not expect, I think Duke could make a game of it as long as he plays really well, which he could. We've seen him do it. He's a good player. Um, but good it, player. It, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna come down to first his health, which is a huge question mark, and then even if he's healthy, he has to play really well. And that that feels like too many hypotheticals for me to think that Duke has a real chance here. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, I think we might see a, a tough night for the Florida State offense, yeah. uh, especially the first half. Could be. Like, yeah. I, I think Duke is probably the best defense they played, or right there with Clemson's. Um, but I think that, uh, I mean, a defense can only hold out for so long if their offense can't move the ball, right? And I don't think Duke can move the ball against Florida State. No. So No, I don't either. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think Florida State might even run away in this game, which sucks because I think Duke is still a pretty good football team. But without Leonard, I just don't think they have the tools to do what they need to do. Yeah. Um, Utah at USC uh, is the other one here, 8 p.m. on Fox. Um, we both know what's – we both expect something to happen here. Um, yeah. And right? I think even without Cam Rising and Brent Keithy, which we were talking about, in the pre- do you want to do what you were talking about the pre-show first before I get into it here? Well, yeah, basically what, what's going on right now is that this week when we – every week when we're about to talk about a Utah game, we do the the preliminary search on just Cam Rising to see if he's likely to play or if, if there's any real possibility of him playing. Um, and this week, <laughs> the, the articles that I have seen from – like Deseret from the Salt Lake Tribune, which are the two that cover this program the closest, were articles about the hypothetical of Brant Keithy and Cam Rising taking a medical red shirt and coming back for a seventh season. That's not encouraging. That is not the article you want to see written going into this, really going into any game. Um, I would I would be pretty surprised if he is playing, and that makes a difference obviously, because he's quite a bit better than either of the backups. I would assume it's going to be Bryson Barnes. He's been the guy who has been the the backup, the primary backup these last couple weeks. Um, having Cam Rising, I don't think we would even really have a conversation to have about this game. Utah would win comfortably. Um, I still think, even without him, that they're going to win because USC is not going to move the ball. USC is just not going to move the ball at all. I, I really... I really, really don't see it. I, I know that this defense gives up a lot of explosive plays. I get it. I also know that that you know Caleb Williams cannot handle pressure at all. He can't. He can't do it. He just makes he makes increasingly bad decisions as a game goes on, and you pressure him more. Utah is a top five have a great defense. Like they they have a very, 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 very good defensive front that gets a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, even without blitzing, even without help from linebackers. I think this is a game where you're just going to see the limitations of this USC offense, which were on full display last week. I think Utah can do the exact same thing, and it'll need a play or two from its offense, but I think that Utah can can really put these guys in a very bad position here. Yeah, and, and USC is also a very undisciplined football team that gets frustrated easily. Yeah. Um, they are. Sorry, USC is well. Did I say that? Or Utah? I don't know. US, USC, yeah, USC is a very. Is. Yeah. USC is a very undisciplined team that is top 10 in the country uh, in penalty yards per game. Yeah. Uh, I think Utah is going to be very physical with them. Um, they're going to punish these players who don't like to deal with that. They do not respond well to physicality. They never have. They never will. Um, and, and I think that, you know, USC is probably going to take some stupid plays. They're going to turn the ball over. They are going to hurt themselves with penalties. They're going to put themselves in a hole that's totally unnecessary and of their own making, um, which we'd love to see. I do worry about Utah completing this. Like, I think that obviously Utah defense is a fair bit better than Notre Dame's, which, excuse me, uh, just held USC to 20 points in 300 yards, um, which is great (laughs) and dominant. And I think Utah can do that or better. But the thing is that, that, Notre Dame also put drives together, right, to a certain level, and got uh, some got some yards of their own. And not really even, but they did score. Yeah, they uh, did score. They and they, they they did they, it from pretty advantageous field position usually. Um, yeah, but they were also able to build a lead, right? Like they went into halftime with twenty four to six lead. Yeah. Um, they they had a thirty one thirteen lead entering the fourth quarter. Like they were able to make USC feel hopeless in a way because they scored points and had opportunities. Yeah. And I just wonder if Utah can do that because I think. This is a team that I, I, it is a soft team. It's a mentally weak team. 
if you let them hang around, it's going to be difficult. Like, I, I think they're going to feed off of that and get some points on you. And, and I think, like, e- even a great defense like Utah's can only hold USC's offense so much if they're not making them feel discouraged. Yeah. And I think the offense here has to step up for Utah, and I just don't know how much I trust them. Yeah, I, I think that that is it's it's a fair it's a fair concern. Certainly, this offense has not been good. Something that I am very curious about, and I don't know that we talked about this in great detail on the recap because I did not know the full story then. I did, I'm going to tell you, did not watch a ton of Utah versus Cal. Um, somebody who I'm really, really, really interested in here going into this game is uh, Sione Vaki, who I don't yeah, their safety who's not a running back. Yeah, yeah. their safety <laughs> who played both ways against Cal. Um and rushed 15 times for 158 yards and two touchdowns while also making five tackles. Um, I I'm interested in that because he looked damn good running the football. He he was explosive in a way that Jaquindon Jackson just has not really been able to to be this year. And I think if they have two guys at halfback who they can trust, and and Jackson has been kind of dinged up, and it's it's hard to. I don't blame him too much, right? Like he's been, he's not, he's not taking that many touches. He's been dinged up. It seems like if he is healthy, I, I think that that two-headed halfback room can cause a lot of problems for a really, really bad run defense. Um, in the same way that Notre Dame, it was not like Sam Hartman was delivering bomb after bomb, right? Like that was mostly USC's defense couldn't get off the field when it needed to, and usually those were short yardage running situations. USC's run defense is horrible. It's it's they can't tackle. They're not physical yeah. enough to tackle. I think Utah some can... stats on that. Some stats on that. USC is ninety first in the country in rushing success rate. Yeah, uh, they are one hundred tied for one hundred and sixth in the country in rushes of twenty plus yards allowed, uh, and they are tied for seventy sixth in the country in yards per carry allowed. Yeah, um, they are a bad rushing defense. Who is the safety who went out for them? They had they lost a safety against um, against Notre Dame as well. I don't know what his status is um is it marcus williams is that his name uh, uh I'm it it's no. not it's not marcus williams that's not who yeah I, max williams max, max williams. williams uh i don't know what his status is if you're relying heavily on bryson shaw for anything you are in a bad way and i i would be based on the injury that i saw against notre dame for him i'd be kind of surprised if he plays here which just is another is another knock on an already really bad defense. They were giving pretty significant snaps to redshirt freshmen. I think he's a redshirt freshman. Other redshirt or true freshman, Zion Branch, who's a good player sometime down the road for a different program. But here, this defense is not in a position where it can be losing starters. (laughs) Is they're already really, really bad at pretty much everything that they do. Yeah. Uh, Bryson Shaw also got dinged up against Notre Dame. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I I just don't really know. Like, this is just a battle of USC's offense is great at passing the football, obviously. And Utah has one of the best passing defenses in the country. Uh, USC is one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. And Utah does not have a very good rushing offense. Obviously, it looked great last week. But that's not been the standard for them uh, throughout the season. Yeah. I, I think if you can do it against Cal, you could probably do it here. I, I that that would be where I think Cal is at least has the has the physicality to play a football game. USC does not. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I, I'm 
I certainly think Utah covers. It's a seven-point spread in favor of USC. I certainly think it's going to be a tighter game than that. I think I probably lean towards a Utah win, but I'm just nervous about game state. Like, they have to – Utah has to take a lead early. Yeah. Yeah, Utah has to take a lead early. I I trust, even without a good offense, Utah is, you know, five and one and beat Florida, beat Baylor, UCLA, beat Cal – um, I I think that they are. I think they're more than capable of of going and winning this game. I get that it's on the road. That is not a difficult environment to win in. Those fans don't care. No, it's they're not. not they're yeah, not they're even going to be there this week. USC took a loss. They're not going to show up. Um, no one cares about fucking football in LA. It's disgusting. Yeah, it may, it may, it really makes me sick. It's just not a not a serious city. Not a city that should be considered for really for much of anything other than complete detonation. Um. <laughs> well, I, mean, I like the Mexican food. <laughs> I like I like movies. Yeah, I like movies. We could get we can get Marty out of there. He doesn't need to be there for that. Um, <laughs> it's a nasty town. Yeah. Just a nasty town. No, thank you. I'm good personally. Um, I think Utah's gonna win. I, I I trust Utah here. I think Utah gets the job done. They've also, I mean, they just they they really own Lincoln Riley and they own this program. I know it's not been that long, but they they doubled up on them last year and it really wasn't competitive in either game. I think they could totally do that again. I hope so. I really hope so. I hope they beat the hell out of them. Uh, that is my goal, of course. And I, I think I'll take a small Utah win is my is my answer. Okay. Um, Most wanted here. We got four games. UTSA at FAU, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Big game in the American. Winner basically gets to stick around in the race to play and probably lose to Tulane in the uh, conference championship game. Loser has a lot of ground to make up. Uh, Ole Miss at Auburn, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Clemson at Miami, 8 p.m. on ACC Network. Has been relegated to ACC Network. Uh, and Georgia State at Louisiana, 8 p.m. on ESPNU. Another big game in the Sun Belt. What stands out to you here? Uh, I think the, uh, hmm. I, I'm probably most interested in watching Ole Miss at Auburn of these four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the most watchable game. Uh, obviously, the Lane Kiffin drama is kind of fun to watch. Lane turned down Auburn. Um, Auburn has been competitive in a few games that really uh, won much of anything. Auburn also yeah. has a head coach with a history uh, with with Ole Miss. Of course, I would say. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too, yeah. yeah. I was getting there. I was and getting it there. Kind of goes both uh, ways. Yeah. <laughs> late also did. I don't know if you saw it. Like late last night, I think it was like one o'clock. I was trying to fall asleep and scroll lane. Uh, lane tweeted out an article that said uh, Lane Kiffin should be fired to get this to Auburn. Um, he, he loves doing that. He loves tweeting articles about him. We need to um, get this. We need to get this guy off the phone. He's got a phone problem. He's got. He's got. Of, a, it's kind of his thing. He's the phone coach. I know. He. You, you. I want him to be. I want him to be coaching. I want him to be in the film room. I don't want him going. Through, no, he doesn't want to be. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Want, he, that's the last thing he wants to do. Um, <laughs> I would assume he's tweeting that out from a fucking probably a fan site too, because I don't know who else would be writing. No, it's it. from al.com. It's from like alabama.com. Oh my god. <laughs> it's the paper of record, dude. It's the paper of um, record. damn. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think Ole Miss probably wins relatively comfortably, right? I don't really think that Auburn can do anything. I, I, I don't know what you'd say Auburn does well. I guess they're a good pass defense. Yeah. Um, that's about it. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It feels like a game where some weird shit's going to happen. It's on the road in Auburn. Probably going to be some things that are on the field. That's always fun. Mm. Um yeah, looking forward to that. I guess besides that in this slate, um, Clemson at Miami is probably the 
tightest football game, right? Is that is it how you view it? That's kind of how I was thinking about it. Uh, I I guess I think that UTSA FAU might be more entertaining. Um, Georgia State Louisiana I'm just interested in. Louisiana has a really good freshman quarterback, but is not what it once was under under Billy Napier. Big opportunity there for Georgia State. Georgia State needs that one pretty bad. Um, they've started yep. the year really well. I, I think that both of the G5 games here could be pretty pretty fun. Um, FAU seems to be figuring some things out with Daniel Richardson on that offense. I think that's going to be good as well. Clemson, Miami, honestly, I, I think it could be competitive. I think it could be close because I just don't know that either of these teams is really going to pull away. Like I, I think Miami's pass defense can cause Clemson some problems. Um, I just don't really care about that game. It feels like both of these teams are non-factors, right? I don't really know... It's just, it's just, it's just some game, right? It's just a game that's on. Um, I, I, I would be, I, I'm inclined to look at the, the G5 games that have much higher stakes than this. Cause it just feels like the kind of running around, just getting some exercise at this point. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but also like we're fresh off a week where Dabo just said maybe his team should lose some games. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are two coaches who love losing football games. against good teams. Oh yeah. Um, it's one of the favorite things to do. Uh, Clemson favored on the road in that one. And I don't know. I mean, the just loser energy emanating from Dabo, just crybaby bullshit. Um, Miami, of course, kind of spiraling right now, uh, which is funny to watch. I, I would like to see them. I don't know. It's hard to pick. Like, obviously, I want, I think the demise of Dabo is already secured, right? It's over. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I want Miami to win because I don't want Dabo to do basically what he did last year, which is where they, they started with two or three losses and then they kind of, against the, the less difficult part of the schedule rounded into form and put together a respectable record. I don't want them to have a respectable record. I don't care what, I, I don't care it, what Miami does. Like, it's not my problem. If Miami goes nine and three, if Clemson goes nine and three, that people are going to be talking themselves into them being a top 10 team again next year. I don't want that. I, I want to be done with that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, there, there is. Uh, look, I, uh, no matter who loses, I win is what I'll say about this game, which is what a game I love to have. Yeah. Um, and for me, I'm just going to be able to tweet out like, ha, 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 17 times this game, mm-hmm. which is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, so it's the perfect third screen game for me. Just keep an eye on it. See who's fucking up. Um, I do think, obviously, the G, like you said, the G5 games matter more, and I respect that. But I cannot resist the opportunity to be a hater, yeah. which is why I keep my eyes on that and Ole Miss and Auburn. Well, um, it's, it's good that we've got both options. We've got options for haters. We've got options for lovers, folks who just want to see some good football, <laughs> folks who want to see the demise of their enemies. You've got all sorts of options here. I think I think Ole Miss Auburn also fits into the haters category. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff here. Yeah. Uh, no fly list, several games, not really any of them I don't think worth watching, but they are on Coastal Carolina at Arkansas State, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Arkansas State could use this one pretty badly. Uh, Colorado State at UNLV, 7 p.m. on the Mountain West Network video, which is just their website. Uh, UNLV currently only has one loss, unbeaten in Mountain West play at this point. Worth keeping an eye on. I'm interested to see a kind of shaky defense against Colorado State's offense. Um, the same Brennan Marion's agenda though. Also yeah. fun to support the Brennan Marion agenda. Yeah, yeah, I get he doesn't need any help. I think he's got plenty of people spreading his agenda already within a, an agency yeah, of some you sort. You know but... that motherfucker is getting a job next year. You oh, know yeah. he's got another new job. Everybody on that staff is getting a job next year. That's the goal. That was the whole idea. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't think Colorado State's defense is going to have a whole lot going on against that offense, but it's worth keeping an eye on. UNLV has a history of starting off pretty well and then completely fucking it up. If they're going to do that, this would be a good time to start. 
short. If they win this one, it makes me think that they could be a uh, they could be a real team. They could be actually actually pretty good. Uh, TCU at Kansas State, 7 p.m. on ESPN two. I'm uh, I think I'm good on that. Same with Texas Tech at BYU, 7 p.m. on FS one. And then closing it out is of course Michigan at Michigan State, 7:30 p.m. on NBC. Um, where do you want to go here, if if anywhere? Um, hmm. I can see Michigan State's players putting up the Washtenaw County prosecutor's face on their walls for some bullet board material. Uh-huh. Um, got to get turned up. Uh, I'm just hoping for a nasty, ugly football game where everyone feels bad afterwards. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm looking for Twitter dramatics. I'm looking for people who are normal for like 12 weeks the season to be, you know, saying people should be incarcerated after the game. Uh-huh. Um. I love that kind of stuff out of this game. It's always, no matter how the game goes, like someone is going to like be left with death threats, which is great. Um, and that's football. <laughs> like this is, I I love, okay. Michigan, Michigan State is very similar to me in Pitt, Penn State and rhetoric. Yeah. Um, except Michigan cannot get away from Michigan State, right? Like <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with them. They're gonna <laughs> they're stuck with them. They all want that game to not be played so badly. And Michigan State just wants to get them rolling in the fucking mud, right? They are just a crab in a bucket yeah. that wants to keep pulling Michigan down. And I love that, man. I love Michigan State's idiotic fans. I love how much they love Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, they're all shopping at Crumble Cookie three times a week. Um, <laughs> they, all, <laughs> they all have like a fast pass in the McDonald's line. Yeah. I think there's the best fans in the country. Yeah. They rock. I want them, you know, making this game a close one and then posting how like they're going to post Kim coming for next week about Noah Kim or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the best. They're just the biggest fucking like lovable idiots in the, in the, in the, uh, in the conference to me yeah uh as long as they don't beat us i think they're great they um, the michigan state leads the conference in in doordash usage in instacart usage they're all over the fucking delivery apps no, no, they no, cannot no, no, get no, enough hang on, of it. hang on hang on hang on michigan fans lead the league in instacart usage yeah michigan state fans lead the league in doordash usage i think they um, might even be going to the specific fast food outlet apps and getting delivery straight from there they're getting the fucking raising canes <laughs> delivered straight to their house from the guy on the app they are all apart we got an unbelievable <laughs> number of rewards cards in that fan base <laughs> That's just what I was gonna say. There is no fan base in the country. It's part of more rewards program in Michigan State. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. Oh, <laughs> the man. average Michigan State fan does not know his social security number and he has to call his mom to ask for it yeah. as a 36-year-old, but he does know his red lobster rewards card number yeah. by heart. Yeah, by heart. He's got all the points. He's spending points like crazy. You've never seen a man with this many points. He's stacking them. <laughs> <laughs> the average Michigan State fan does have a Disney rewards credit card that he spends six thousand yeah. dollars on a year. They were because it gets him access to meet Mickey when he goes. Yeah, to the, they were the all park. featured in that that welcome home video that Disney made after the after they were <laughs> let, letting people back in during COVID. They were all there. Every Michigan State fan was there. <laughs> they should make the Spartan a character in Disney World. They yeah. absolutely should oh, have him. Should. He would be so uh, happy walking about around that. the park. Yeah. 
God damn. Oh, fuck, dude. It, it That's is really the, good. The contrast also between that <laughs> fan base, which is totally just, they're, 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 yeah, like you said, lovable dorks, right? There's no, they're not threatening at all. I'm not, it's not a fan base that you're like, oh no, Michigan State fan. Like, they're just, they're they're dorks. Do anyone yeah. except Michigan fans? Yes. Yeah, Michigan fans are terrified of them because it, it's uh, it's like a funhouse mirror. Um, <laughs> they look at them with total disgust because they're 5% different as people. Um, it's like, you've seen they live, right? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. Well, and they live basically there's a pair of sunglasses. You put them on. Okay. You see like a certain percentage of people in the world are actually like alien monsters inhabiting human uh, bodies. Yeah. Um, Basically, only Michigan fans have the They Live glasses for Michigan State fans. Yeah. yeah uh, the... the rest of us just think they're a regular guy buying a newspaper, and they see, like, abject horror and fear. And, yeah. Like, you know, their death in front of them. Yeah, the, the, but the contrast between that, the, the the amount of vitriol between these fan bases is so funny, and also the contrast between Michigan State's fan base and the the complete unrepentant monsters that they have at, in charge of every major program on the campus is, it's <laughs> it's just... It's very choice. It, it it the contrast is very very funny. <laughs> they just they can't get away from these fucking goblins that, who run their programs, and then all of their fans are just like posting gifts all day. It's it's just the gift posting fan base. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's just yeah. it's uh, it's cool. It's a cool dynamic. I mean, the comparison there. is like Michigan fans are are Mitt Romney Republicans, and Michigan State fans are Lauren Boebert Republicans. Yeah. Uh, and. They both think each other are the biggest monsters in the world. And yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, the, the the slightly nicer country club looking down on the other country club. <laughs> you guys, you guys have vending machines. We have a cafe. Like that's that's the sort of you have. It's it's uh, it's yeah. really cool. You serve I, New York strip. We have filet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, and I also love, of course, uh, the the <laughs> Michigan State newspaper, the student newspaper, canceling the the annual flag football game because they had too many people getting. Hurt. How do you get hurt in a flag football game? What are you doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> all those rewards program dudes, the, the trans fats are melting their joints. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah. That's Respect really funny, to the man. dogs at the at the fucking Michigan student paper running Michigan State journalists off the field, <laughs> especially because you know, like they're they're snapping Achilles and tearing ACLs. Yeah. And the guys they're going against are like five foot nine, hundred forty five pound. Yeah. Like dorks who. Yeah. who Whose like favorite guy in the world is I don't know like Anderson Cooper. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like... We've got a lot of Matt Iglesias fans on that football field. <laughs> <laughs> There's, they're like the little big team where they're asking like, "What's your favorite movie?" They're doing that for what's your favorite journalist these yeah, days. Yeah, they're all yeah, they're all saying they're all saying Yashar Ali. Yeah, a lot of newsroom heads in that in that <laughs> in those teams. I, I just I love the idea of Michigan's version of those guys like putting on the old like the screw in spike cleats so that they can murder some poor guy from Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> you know, leaving a mark that will you know never, how, that will never if you're go born away. in Maslin, <laughs> if you're born in Maslin, they give you either uh, a yes, football yeah. or a cheerleading pom pom from the Tigers when you're born in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, when you're born in the Ann Arbor Hospital, they either give you a copy of the West Wing or Gilmore Girls. Mm, um. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh man, this is awesome. I think Michigan's going to kick the shit out of Michigan State. I have yeah, no other probably, thoughts on the yeah. game. They're much, they're much better. They're much, much, much better. Oh um, yeah, it should and, be a thirty-point loss for Michigan yeah, State. Yeah. Anyway, um, but they're going to make it. They're going to make it really funny the whole time. They're not going to do it in just a normal way. Um. Anyway, late night here. Most wanted is the uh, the FCS game of the week. We got number two in the country, Montana State, at number four, Sacramento State, at ten. 10:30 p.m. on ESPN2. I like that we're getting more of these really high quality FCS games in the late night slate because they're not giving us anything else. Uh, the, the the TV channels they're really kind of piling a bunch of dog shit on late. Um, these are good. These are good football games. This is a good football game. These are two really good teams. Um, the uh, the other ones here in the no fly list: Arizona State at Washington and UCLA at Stanford, both at 10:30. Um, just, I just don't care. I just don't care. I don't think either one is going to be competitive, but the FCS game here is good. Yeah. Have you been following Bill Connolly's combined FBS, FCS, et cetera, spreadsheets? Um, where it has oh, South yes. Dakota yeah. state is basically like a top 35 team in the country overall. Um, they are so fucking good, dude. Yeah. Well, they're not, not playing this game, but I'm just talking FCS football. They're, <laughs> they're really fucking good. Yeah, they are. They are really good. I think Montana State and, and Sacramento State also really good. I don't know where they are in that. Um, Montana State does some really, really fun things on offense. I believe they have a, a Craig Bull guy there, if memory serves. Um, I think it's... Oh, yeah, uh, we love a Craig Bull guy. We do love a Craig Bull guy. I think it's... Uh, How about a Craig Bull guy, but it's a guy named Craig who's always going to lunch at Chipotle or Cava um, or Bibibop. Yeah, that's um, another Michigan State fan right there. Uh, Brent Brent, <laughs> Brent, Vigan, Brent Vigan is the guy there at, at, at uh, Montana State. Arrived in 2021. Brent Vegan, yeah, Brent, Brent Vegan. Um, damn good ball coach. He was at Wyoming with Craig Bull. He was at North Dakota State with Craig Bull. He's a he's a North Dakota State guy originally. He's 24 and five uh, through his first two years. I don't know what that would be with this extra. They're five and one, so 29 and six through three seasons. He's good. He's a really really good ball coach, and they do they do a lot of really cool things offensively. I think this is a fun one to watch. I, I would recommend this one above the two Pac-12 games. I think those are just not not especially interesting. Yeah, yep, agreed. I think it's going to be a big one. Um, yeah, excited for all this, man. Really good slate for the weekend. Um, I think we got a lot of games that should end up being good. I, I think there's just too much going on here that it will not be a bad weekend. So season keeps delivering, and so it keeps growing that way. We have not had a bad week yet, I want, except maybe week two. But uh, I want to keep going that way. Yep, we will talk to you all on the recap.